tell stories so grand of this vast timeless land and they call it Sunday with Macca. They all call it Sunday with Macca. Yeah, they all call it Sunday with Macca. Get on with it, Macca. Good morning. Welcome to the program, wherever you are around Australia, around the world. We've had an interesting morning already. If you've just got up, it's welcome. On the program this morning, a little bit of coffee, uh, a little of stars. We'll talk about guitars and we'll talk to you. Uh, emails coming in. Uh, this is from Norma. Listen to this. Norma says, um, hi, Macca. Love Sunday mornings. Listening to all that call in. Thought this might bring a little happiness to our lives. My 13-year-old granddaughter, Katja, has a happy jar. I asked her what it was about. Whenever something makes her happy, it could be a day out, a good mark at school, a great meal or just a nice day, she writes it down on a small piece of paper, rolls it up, ties it with string and puts it in her happy jar, which she has painted and decorated with stars and glitter. Whenever she needs cheering up, she pulls out a random scroll, reads it and it makes her happy. I think it's a fabulous idea for all. Sometimes we forget how lucky we are and this makes life that much better. Also, I'm president of the Penshurst Women's Auxiliary. We look after the indoor bowls at Penshurst RSL. That's not Penshurst in Vic. That's Penshurst in Sydney, I think. Yes. We look after the indoor bowls at Penshurst RSL. Numbers are a little low. If anyone's interested in coming on on a Tuesday morning around 11am, you're very welcome. They're a great bunch of mixed nuts. Good company and good time is guaranteed, says Norma. Norma, I'll turn up one morning. Um, When's that? (laughs) Tuesday mornings. Um, and yeah, you can go and ask uh, Norma about uh, her granddaughter's happy jar. Isn't that a great idea? And we need cheering up from time to time, I'll tell you. Richard Lee says, Macca, my wife and I are about to head off on a grey nomad trek with our caravan. Caravan, sorry. Where can I find your itinerary, Ian, so that I can see if our paths are going to cross? Richard, we really haven't got an itinerary at the moment. We're working on it. Um, I reckon in a couple of weeks we'll have it. We're going this week. Um, we're going down to the Blaze Aid camps uh, in Victoria. I'll tell you all about that in a little while, but that's where we're going for the next two or three days. I'll be going down there, driving down there, calling through little country towns and maybe through Shep and places like that on the way down. It's down towards Warnerville. we're going. So that'll be a... A lightning trip to see all the people down there who are working so hard to restore um, the lives of uh, farmers or their fences and all that sort of stuff. Just uh, and it's been it's been Watsy Week, hasn't it, Kill? Um, volunteers Week, and that's what they are. Volunteers are the best. G'day, this is Macca. Oh, good morning, Macca. It's Jane. I'm calling from the uh, Redcliffe Markets in Brisbane. G'day, Jane. How are you? Yeah, good. Thanks, love. That's good. I love the show. I listen to you every Sunday on my way to the markets. Oh, that's the way. What do you What do you do at the markets? Um, well, I uh, manage my husband, who's a steel drummer, called Alvin, and his band called The Bash, and we we play markets. And I I made the comment that um, when you said if you're going home from a gig, half your luck. In actual fact, we go to a gig at this hour of the day, <laughs> and it seems to be the markets are sort of um, filling the gap for the poor old musicians to get a bit of a rough trot these days. I'll say, yeah. Yeah, so the markets are, uh, you know, most markets have got live music. It's our bread and butter job, but it's um, 
you know, it uh, leads to lots of other gigs as well, and of course we love it. Well, that's that's the way uh, that's the way it was always was, I suppose. And and uh, you know, you, uh, uh, when you hear Billy Joel's song, "The Piano Man," that's what he used to play in the bar for tips. You know, that's he'd, he'd um, that's how he started his uh, career. So you know, yes. there you go. Yes. Well, my husband comes from Trinidad and Tobago, and he toured the world with a band called the Cavaliers. And um, they came to Australia, been here 40 years, longer than he's been in Trinidad. Yeah. <laughs> and um, they uh, and, yeah, decided to stay. So there's, uh, there's quite a groundswell for the steel drum these days. I think I spoke to you in 2013 when we had our very first steel drum festival in Melbourne. And since then, we've had about three more. So, Jane, where are you from? You're from uh, Redcliffe, are you, or in no, Brisbane? No, I... No, we live in Jimboomba, which is um, the other side of Brisbane. We drive an hour to get to this market every week. Wow. So, yeah. and how did you meet your husband? Oh, at a, at a meeting, at a, at a business meeting. Uh-huh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, it's nothing to do with music. No, and you um, you sort of organised the whole thing, but he, he, how many, does he play on his own or has he got uh, some people I, with him? Well, he's, he's very versatile. He can play solo, yeah. but he likes, but it's a bit lonely, you know, so prefers to play with a band, so today he'll be doing a duo. We'll have two, um, a tenor steel drum and a, and a double second steel drum. Yeah. And um, and they sing as well. He's um, The bash is very versatile. It goes up to a five-piece, so we get a lot of good good gigs, a lot of corporate gigs. Yeah, well, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's very different too, isn't it? It's lovely, lovely sound. Yeah, well, it's, yes, and it's easy to learn. We've actually just... Um, um, got a grant from the government to set up a disabled van for sporting wheelies. We're going to call it the the Steely Wheelies. <laughs> and, <laughs> and we've had some stands designed specifically so that people in wheelchairs can get close enough to play the drum. And the drum will, will be hanging uh, not horizontally, vertically. All right. And it's quite fascinating. But, um, yeah, no, it's, it's a... It's a yeah, we're very excited about that. We're really hoping to get that up and going for the uh, disabled people. Well, next time I come to Brisbane, we'll uh, we'll get together and you can. Uh, your, what's your husband's name? Alvin. Alvin. Uh, Alvin can play a bit for us. It'd be nice. Oh, I'd love to do that. He's, he's he'd be up for that. We love your show. We <laughs> listen to you every Sunday, Maka. You right. seem to get, you seem to get us into a good mood for the day. Uh, well, that's good. That's good. Um, yeah, it's probably it's probably been coffee, uh, Joan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I haven't had one yet, so. <laughs> I'm just about to stop and get get set up and have a coffee. So have a lovely day. Thanks, Macca. See you in Brisbane. Yeah, love to. See you, Jane. Bye. Bye. Oh, g'day, Ian. It's Rex Ellis here in South Oz. G'day, Rex. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. What's happening, mate? Well, I just got back from one of my Warburton boat trips down to Lake Air, and um, it was the the weirdest, apart from when we... Actually, crossed the lake in 1974. This was probably the weirdest trip we've ever had because we actually caught up with a flood. Oh, right, yeah. Which is a bit embarrassing and a bit surreal and a bit every other thing at the same time. We it was a, it was a small flood and um, we got on it a day after it had gone through and um, you know things were fairly normal for a couple of days and. Um, all of a sudden, we sort of came onto some very rough water, like almost rapids, which we're not really designed for. And um, 
and we got through that, and then I noticed the the water was really frothy, and it didn't look like normal white water, you know, the, the, the uh, fresh water. Mm. And then we sort of came around a bit of a bend, and and there ran out a river, and there the, the river was in front of us about 200 metres away, you know, and we'd actually overtaken it. And I've come close before on bigger floods, but I mean, normally the water's going faster than we are in the boats, but not on this occasion. And this is on the Warburton wrecks, is that right? On, it's on the Warburton running down between the Terraria and the Simpson Desert, you know, the end of the Diamantina uh-huh. Channel. And it was, it was, well, we just had to wait and uh, <laughs> we didn't have any water, not, you know, navigable water, and the water was pure brine. And I didn't. I thought I knew a fair bit about this river, but um, it just shows you. No matter what you know, you die stupid. It, it, the water was. It, it was. It was saltier than the sea. But a couple of hours later, there was another another fresher water. We could hear it coming, and it sort of built up pretty quick. And within within an, within another half hour, we could we could drink it. And then we probably waited another hour, and then we got going again. And it was obviously a river that was still, you know, filling up everything that went along. And, and that's why it's briny? Is that why it's briny? Or was briny? Yeah, well, I guess that's what it does. It, I didn't realise before, but it, uh, it, there's a lot of salt in this country, of course. You know, yeah, in the, in the... go, yeah, when this river goes dry, some water holds the salt, some are, yeah. some are fresh. But I guess it just gathers all that salt water up in front of it. And the bird life, uh, that's our main interest. And... We had some really spectacular, particularly when just after we caught up with it, when there was all that diversity of fresh water not far away and all this salt water, there were hundreds of Australian shell ducks, you know, the old mountain duck. And, yeah. And redneck avocets in particular, uh, uh, white-backed stilts, and um, black-backed stilts, I should say. And, and it was just quite... It was just one of those moments that... Um, that nobody's likely to forget. And it was a bit disappointing because we, you know, we spent so so long getting down to that point that we got within 20 k's of the mouth and on this occasion we couldn't get to it, which was disappointing. But this was certainly a case of the journey being a lot more interesting than the destination, you know? Yeah, well, I, I suppose uh, this country reveals things to you all the time, doesn't it, Rex? And you've been in that country, you know, you know it like the back of your hand. But, um, yeah, it never fails to surprise no, there's always every, every trip. I mean, it's, it's it's different every time. There's always the Odingos that have never seen human beings. They lie around like pet Labradors, you know, literally, and swim across the river in front of you. Although it didn't happen on this occasion, but it has happened before. And a lady did a very silly thing once. She reached out of the boat and scratched one on the back, and and she'll have a she better dine out in that for the rest of her life. But she <laughs> might have had to use only one hand to eat with because if that dog had got hold of her. <laughs> It could have been a different story, you know. Exactly. The, the, the birds, the birds are probably, you know, if you if you're if you're not interested in them, you do miss out. But people that aren't particularly interested go back a lot, a lot more interested. There's no doubt about that because every time it's different. On the first flood, you don't get a great, a great variety of birds that you do on later on later floods. And this is not going to be a big flood, is it? Is it, Rex? No, no. It's virtually it's. Not navigable anymore, yeah. and um, it's it's running down the groove in the lake here, and uh, uh, it's not going to uh, it's not going to no, it's not a big flood, but it's it's still a, a wonderful thing for the country, you know. I um, say, 
be nice uh, uh, be nice to get some general rain, Rex. Uh, where are you calling from this morning, Rex? Uh, on the River Murray where there's water all the time, you know. Mm. I, live, I live over here near... But is it, it, it's been dry in, in South Australia too, hasn't it? It's dry everywhere. Yeah, for, yeah. In, certainly it's this dry. time of year where everyone wants rain for crops. Um, yeah, sure is. They're all sort of hanging up for it and, um, you know, it's, it's uh, still time, but, it's yeah, people are getting pretty worried in most places. Rex, I would have loved to have been with you on the boat. Watch, uh, <laughs> looking at that, um, yeah, surprising uh, occurrence. Yeah, yeah, it was just one that'll it'll go down in my memory and the other people too for sure. It's um, that'll probably never happen again. I don't think I really want it to happen again, mind you. But <laughs> there you go. All right, Rex, nice to talk to you, mate. Yeah, thanks, Ian. I'll catch you in Morgan sometime. Yeah. Okay, see, see you later. later. Bye. Ken. Ken. Ken Warby. Oh, Ken Warby? You're kidding me. <laughs> Kenny, how are you going, mate? All right, mate. What are you doing? Where are you? I'm sitting beside the water at beautiful da- Blowering Dam. Crystal clear water, blue skies, a couple of clouds hanging over the mountains, and uh, the day's looking good. You're a little champion, Kenny. Um, there you go. And how is it on the Blowering Dam this morning? Well, the, the water's a bit, a bit choppy at the moment. We're waiting for it to settle down a little bit, and then we're going to put the uh, the boat in and uh, get David some seat time and work towards the big number. Uh-huh. But this time, we're, we're, we're not shooting for an angry. If we can get him up a, cu- a couple of hundred mile an hour and he gets comfortable with it, uh, then we'll go to the next step. But we're going to take it a step at a time. I want him to live. Yes. Now, can you hold the world water speed record, don't you? Yeah, I've held it now 40 years. We did it originally in 77, then I did a second run in 78, which is the current record, which is 511 kilometres. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Ken Warby on the line. Ken Warby, living legend. <laughs> Kenny, it was five. Was it five hundred and eleven kilometres an hour? I think. Yeah. It sounds yeah. better in miles an hour to me, well, doesn't it? Three hundred and seventeen point six mile an hour. That's moving, mate. That's motoring, and you did that without airbags. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even have a seatbelt in the cockpit. <laughs> <laughs> so there you are. You're down on the Blaring Dam today with your son Dave, who's who's yep. who's working up to another. Uh, record attempt. Now, Liz, what's it like down there this morning? Uh, can it be a bit fresh, wouldn't it? Yeah, it's a bit fresh and the water's a little bit choppy at the moment. We're waiting for it to settle down a bit before Dave goes out and gives it a squirt. Uh-huh. But this, this, you know, this is heaven here in Blaring Dam. You know, more Australians should know about this place. It's just absolutely gorgeous. And, you know, we've we got mile after mile of crystal water and... Uh, you know, this is heaven here, no doubt about it. It is. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Ken Warby on the phone. Uh, world record, water speed record holder, legend, absolute <laughs> legend, who spends much of his time in the United States, went over there and made his uh, made his mark and made his pile I, with mini concrete trucks. Am I right, Ken? Yeah, well, I actually went over there running jet propelled dragsters. I had uh, two jet dragsters, two jet funny cars, and a huge jet truck with a engine out of an F4 Phantom in it. And uh, we, we drag raced that over there. And uh, Now I've got some Australian circuit boats. Uh, my wife drives one, I drive one, and we've got a spare one for visiting Australians. 
Wow, there you go. But they're all big V8s and superchargers and mm. uh, get well over 100 mile an hour in them. So can you obviously, uh, when you speak so lovingly of a place like the Blaring Dam, and it is in the Tumut River, those sort of places in Australia, they're unique and wonderful places, aren't they? Oh, mate, you know, this is heaven here. There's no doubt about it. it it's a special place in the world. Uh-huh. You, know? you and, know, it's God's country. If God created a better spe- uh, place than this. He kept it a secret. <laughs> so, Ken, how long will you be in Australia? Oh, uh, I go back on the 31st. We just flew in to uh, keep an eye on young Dave, and uh, we leave on the 31st to head back. Uh-huh. So i got a business to run. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and is this still the cement trucks? Yeah, we've got the little mini mini concrete trucks. I've got a fleet of those. Although our biggest problem at the moment is getting drivers. Nobody wants to work. Really, in America, I thought. Oh, well, they say that about they say that about Australia, but is that the same over there too? It's it's very much the same. Really is. You know, I'm running eight track trucks normally, and I've got five drivers right now. So, where are you staying while you're here in Australia? You you camp down on the Blowering, are you? Or yeah, we're we're at Talbingo. We're we're at the caravan park there in Talbingo. Oh right. You know, okay. As a matter of fact, our teams booked the whole place out and. Uh, you know, we we got a hell of a crew of people that uh, that are here working with us, and because we have all the emergency services, the FES, the fire brigade, and maritimes here, it's uh, quite an entourage. A little different to when I did it, but you know, this is the way it is. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right, Ken. Good on you, mate. You'll be interested to know there's a little bit little bit of water going into Lake Eyre. That was another place where a great water speed record <laughs> happened, isn't it? Yeah, all those years ago, or a land speed record happened. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We've had. That's call- all good. All good fun, mate. Ken, it's great to talk to you, mate. Um, I hope to bump into you sooner rather than later. See you in America or see you here. Good on you, Ken. All right, mate. Take care. See you. Bye. Bye. G'day, this is Macca. Macca, Scott from uh, Mount Barker in South Australia. G'day, Um, Scotty. How are you going? Yeah, good. Good. Uh, Yeah, um, just touching base, uh, we're in the middle of our uh, Brussels sprout season, harvest season for the the year. I've rediscovered Brussels sprouts, I think about in the last year. Um, oh, okay, Scott, good. I'd I'd uh, I'd come off them. I'd say when I was about um, well, I hadn't hardly been on them actually, but Mum used to serve <laughs> them up, and and about thirty years I've been off them. But I just think they're delicious, Scott. I just think yeah, look, good. look, yeah. A lot of people have had very bad experiences when they're when they're children. Often the the Russell sprouts have been boiled to death, and I even I'd confess that they're a bit of a a, a bitter slurry mess. Um, so. Certainly, there's a bit of an art in cooking them. And Scotty, certainly, Scotty, you know what the art is? You, uh, you get the get the Brussels sprouts, and and the smaller ones are best, I think. But um, any size, you yes. put them in your saucepan with a little bit of water, not a lot of water, and you put a teaspoon of sugar in there. They <laughs> they are. Uh, that's what. Well, my mum used. That's, my mum always used to put sugar in in. Really? in in just a a, a a small, not a, a heap teaspoon, just a small amount, and it's just beautiful. So I do. Well, she'd do that okay. in tomatoes too. You'd have tomatoes, and she'd sprinkle a little bit of sugar on them. Um, okay. But if you put a teaspoon, of, that's how I have them. You try them; they're just they are just. I just love them. I can eat. Well, that's the first. That's yep. the first I've ever heard of putting well, sugar. Well, you in don't them. Yeah. you don't you don't fill it up with water. You just put you know to cover them, and yep. put a teaspoon of sugar in to taste. And yep. be- and I usually a little thing of salt, just a little uh, yep. 
pinch and of salt, and, and yep. beautiful, 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 the best. Oh. I love them. Oh, that's all right. Uh, yeah, look, I think, I think um, the varieties have changed so much since uh, even when I was a young, uh, young lad that the, the actual breeders of the, the sprouts have um, bred them to take out the bitterness uh, to try and make them a little bit more palatable for, for us as consumers. Mm. So I think there's been, that's why there's been a resurgence as well, that they are certainly tasting better than back in the old days. Oh, look, I just love them. We just love them. We, we you know, vegetables come and go, I suppose, in in uh, thing, but uh, the Brussels sprouts with a little bit of sugar, beautiful. Just yep. beautiful. Awesome. And then you serve them and you put a little knob of butter. Uh, you know, yes. I, I follow. What's the name of the chef, Kill the lady for the English chef? What's her name? Who uses always uses butter and uh, Nigella? Yeah, Nigella. Oh yeah. I'd like to go yep. and live with Nigella because she uses butter and sugar and all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, uh, <laughs> and salt. Right. Yes. Oh, look, look. Uh, my my mother and uh, father always said a little bit of uh, butter, lemon, and some pepper and salt. Oh yes. Always, always works really well. Oh nicely. yes, Scotty. Tell me about the ins and outs of growing Brussels. When do, when's the season? Is it winter? Oh, look, we're, we're halfway through the season. Our season, our harvest season started back in last December and uh, we will go through to uh, mid-September this year. So it's about eight to nine months um, the season is. So it's a fairly long season for, for a vegetable, mm. uh, almost all year round. So it's, uh, uh, and we use different varieties for different times of the year because we're in Mount Barker, we get pretty hot, dry summers and uh, pretty cold winters, so you've got to select varieties which are going to sort of handle those conditions. I'd love to be in the shed when the crops come in. It's isn't it, it's a wonderful thing to be in a picking shed when the when the crop comes in. We were we were well, I don't know, where were we, Kel? When the peanuts came in, there was that we were in this big shed and there was a pile. Of, it's like a mountain of peanuts. It's yeah. just something, and I can just imagine boxes and boxes of uh, Brussels coming in, mate. Um, yeah, no, it's great. It's, it's pretty exciting when when everything's going well and the and the, the quality is good and the sheds, as we say, is sort of pumping. We're doing, you know, you can do ten to eighteen tons a day of wow. product coming in, gets sorted, gets packaged, gets sized, and then gets uh, then we have a whole lot of B double semis coming in every day, picking up produce to go all over Australia. So it's, it's pretty exciting when everything's working well. The team's team's pumping, and it's it is it's quite a good time. The harvest time. Oh, Scotty, I'll come I'll come to Mount Barker and see that happening. So it goes till September, does it? Yes, yeah, it does. Yeah, so flat out till then. We just we... had a call from Rod from Mafra, and he says uh, he puts honey on his uh, on his Brussels. So okay. We should, we should, uh, we should have a little. Well, we are. We're having a little segment on Brussels, but I can recommend that you just put a little bit of water and and uh, cook them up. Uh, and bacon with them, and, and lemon, yeah, bacon or, or, well. or and sugar. Oh, just a spoonful of sugar. Who was that famous lady who said a spoonful of sugar makes? Oh, that was um, oh, Mary, Mary Mary Poppins. Poppins. If it's good yes. enough for Mary, it's good enough for me, mate. <laughs> Excellent. Good Excellent. on you, Scotty. Um, okay, thanks, have you, have you had much rain there? Uh, not enough. I'm actually just waiting today for the next sort of round of uh, weather coming through. I'm hoping we're going to get at least, you know, 20 to 30 mil out of the next few days. Um, we've only had probably about 70 mils since the, the season stopped last year in November. So it's been, it's been a pretty dry, hot, hot year, actually. The subsoils, there's nothing in the subsoil at the moment. So we're looking forward to some good winter rains. All right, good on you, Scotty. Um, okay. yeah, a spoonful of sugar makes the Brussels sprouts go down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
Good not, one. A spoon, Thanks, not a spoonful. Because we'll be we'll be That'd hung, be... drawn, and quartered. A, st- yeah. a teaspoon. A teaspoon. A, teaspoon. Yeah. a small amount of water. It just takes the edge off, and they become a beautiful adjunct to a baked dinner or a whatever. As you know, Very Scotty. Good. I have to give it a go. Good on you. Okay. Thank you. See Cheerio. you. Bye. Alison's in Canberra. Morning, Alison. What's happening? Um, yes, good morning. Um, I've uh, spoken to you before about Highland dancing, but this morning I'm talking to you about running. So this morning I am out at the lake because I belong to a running club called the YMCA um, of Canberra Runners Club. And every year we run a little half marathon and it's on this morning and it's perfect weather for running. Oh, lovely, lovely, beautiful. Nice and crisp, Alison. Yeah, well, it's one degree, but the well, that's it's, crisp. It's yeah, it's the sun's out, so I'm I've been following my little patch of sun for about half an hour as it's coming up through the trees. So and um, it's uh, it's one degree, and it's but it's still as a mill pond. There's no wind whatsoever. It's utterly beautiful. Uh, need rain, don't we, Alison? Listen, Alison, tell Do me how many how many how far is that? How many people will go in that today? Um, entries are a bit down on 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 a few years ago. So previously we've got up to about seven eight hundred people, but we've only got about four hundred this year, which well, is a bit sad. But well, you um, should have rung us last week and the week before. We could have given them a rev up. Yeah, so they're all have. they're all at home. They're all out having lattes and stuff. Every, everybody's all snoozing. Yeah, so, yeah. Or, or having lattes and you know, yeah, stuff like that. But it's a beautiful little event. Like we just run it as a club. All the club people obviously are volunteers. It's just really friendly. It's totally low key, and it's mostly on the bike path. So if you know Canberra at all, it goes from mm. where the height is, and it runs around the western part of the lake. And I'm at the eighteen K mark um, behind the ANU, and I haven't had anyone come past me yet. If I did, they'd be flying and should have been running the Olympics. But um, well, they might be cheating. <laughs> well, you can't really cheat because you can't go across the water. <laughs> right, I see. There's no bridge. Yeah. yeah remember that bloke who was, who was who doubled back or something? He won, he won some medal or something, <laughs> something. and they, they found he'd stopped and crossed the road. And, yeah. yeah. Dear, oh, dear. Anyway. Hilarious. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. Alison, how's the Highland dancing going? The Highland dancing's going well, actually. Thank you. Yeah, I'm um, I'm um, uh, I'm not uh, actively teaching at the moment because I'm doing a bit of judging. But um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's going pretty well. We had our massive national championship at Easter in Newcastle, which was run by the New South Wales people, and it all went really well. And it was such a great event. Yeah, such a great sport, and more people should get into it because. You know, it's fabulous, keeps you fit, and uh, you meet lo- lovely people doing it. Now, what's the name of this run again, Alison? It's called it, the... It's the. It's it's actually called the Rex Fulks Half Marathon. And Rex Fulks was some bloke in Canberra who was a bit of a Canberra guru, as I understand it, running. I never met him. But uh, um, it's named in honour of him, and this is the 53rd or 54th year it's been running. Well, come on, Canberra. I want to see a 1,000 people in that next year, at least a 1,000. <laughs> And as, you, and as you run past Alice, Alison on stop, whatever it is at the ANU, she'll give you. She'll do a Highland fling for you. I might. I might. All right. Good on you. Thanks, Mac and Cheese. See you, bye. Mac, it's Dick Smith here. Oh, good day, Dick. How are you? I'm back. Yeah, back in Sydney. Just been away with Pip in the helicopter for two weeks. Right out following David Carnegie's footsteps. He went from Kalgoorlie to Halls Creek and back again, 1896. 1896, right. Yeah, and the interesting thing is that the water holes that he marked, you know, with the helicopter, we put it in the GPS, and most of them simply don't exist. So I'm wondering whether 
there's been a real weather change and in you know over 130 years whether there's a lot less water around in that desert yeah well but uh, well it's strange isn't it? look i don't know dick don't ask me but i know that um there has been big weather events um um, Jock Schmierchen, of course, rang us last year, the year before, um, the year before that, and told us about great weather events. But it depends where you're talking about, I suppose. Some deserts get it like a rainfall is a very sporadic thing, isn't it? Yeah, as... yeah, yeah. And, and what's amazing, you fly over that desert. We camped a couple of nights way out there, and just how the Aboriginal people lived there for you know up to forty thousand years is just amazing. Uh, the other thing is that there's a road which most people will hear. It's called the Gary Junction Road or the, I think it's Kurikura Road. It sort of goes from Alice Springs to Kintore. Well, that's the first bit of it. And then right across the Port Headland. And that's now been upgraded. The West Australian government has obviously put graders and everything in. And it's now like the Great Central Road. I mean, you just drive a normal car along the bits we flew over. Mm. So anyone who wants a very quick trip from, you know, Alice Springs to Port Headland or Broome, that's the way to go. The Gary Junction Road. Yeah, now the the Carnegie trip, as you said, in the late 1800s, is that right? Yeah, yeah, 1896. Well, didn't didn't someone do that in 1939? Who was that? Um, they, they, They went across the desert following in the yeah, look, of... that's been consistently done. Not, I don't think, following Carnegie, but the interesting thing was David Mackay was, they called him the last explorer, he took planes out to Il Bilber in 1930, just before Lassiter, and he flew over the whole area and he discovered the huge Lake Mackay, they called it, and he basically marked his map with what he called native smoke, native smoke, native smoke. And what it showed was that Aboriginal people were living right through that desert everywhere in the 1930s. Just amazing. Uh, uh, Dick, why did you, what were you doing this? Well, I wanted to go. The trip was basically to go way out there. We called and saw Trevor Wright. And he's doing well at um, William Creek. At William it's, Creek, yep. Yeah, it's, it's, it's 20 years this August since Marie Mann appeared. I was, gonna, as you I, was know. Just, I was going to ask you, how's Marie Mann going? Well, I'm trying to find out. Look, I'm going to put a reward out. Maybe I should announce it on this show. $5,000 reward for anyone who can tell me who put the original Marie Mann in because it's mysterious. I mean... I've been working on it for two years now to try and find out who did it, and nobody knows. I mean, Trevor doesn't know. Uh, Phil Turner, the publican, nobody knows, and it's so mysterious. How could you spend weeks grading that huge figure into the desert and before modern GPS and everything, so someone with a lot of knowledge and expertise did it? Or it could have been completely secret. Could have been alien stick. <laughs> That's probably the most likely thing. So, but I tell you what, for my reward, to win my reward, you've got to give evidence, right? right? So, if it's aliens, that might make it a bit harder, Macca. <laughs> <laughs> and Macca, just very quickly, the highlight of the whole trip was calling in at Turawina, and I called into the Country Women's Association. They have this lovely little building there, and there, the Country Women's they were they were sewing up things and everything in the tradition of the Country Women's Association, very Australian. Turrawin is a wonderful little town, as original it was a hundred years ago, sort of thing. It's amazing country, isn't it, Dick? When you you go out there, you just—it's really. We live in these cities now, which I call Lego Land now, where the high rise is just going up, and and then you get out there. I, I'll never forget going to um, Popel's or Purple's Corner, I think it is Purple, yep. German word. Uh, that day, and we landed there, and there was a, oh. those blokes there, and they were just out there fossicking around with, you know, their shovels and. Exactly right. If you remember, we called them up on the CB radio and said, "Can you drive along the old airstrip and see if it's okay?" And then we landed in the Cessna caravan. But look, 
It's interesting. It's very dry just about every place we went to, except at Diamantina Lakes, which is on the Diamantina River, sort of northeast of Birdsville. The last bit of the flood was going through. That's the one that now got into Lake Eyre. Did you did you hear Rex Ellis this morning? No, I didn't. But yeah. Unbelievably, oh. he takes those boats up and he what did he go in the Warburton Group into the top of Lake Eyre? Yeah, well, he did. He went on the flood and the sort of flood overtook him, and then it stopped. So they were sort oh. of. They were sort of stranded. He said it was quite amazing, and he said this water was bubbly and fruffy, like like washing up yes. water. And then it was. He said it was so briny, and and, and he said this amazing thing. He said, you know, dudley dudley dum go because he's done this a lot. And then he says, yeah, no matter, Macca, no matter how much you know, you still die stupid. Uh, look, I think everyone <laughs> should get over to William Creek and take a flight up and have a look at that water coming in because that might never happen again. I mean, we don't know. I'm hoping. You know, my dream is before I die that Lake Air will flood again. I mean, that would be just fantastic. But it seems to be dry. The whole trip we did was dry. But Newcastle Water Station, it had so many head of cattle. It was the Lake Wood is full of water. Uh-huh. But but after, other than crossing the Diamantina, everything else was pretty dry. And it's, yeah. it's Western New South Wales is quite sad because that's really dry. There's drought going there. So. South Australia's but, dry. Western Australia's dry. Um, everywhere's dry, especially yeah, this time of year. Yeah, but it's an incredible country. Uh, didn't someone once say it was a land of droughts and flooding rains? They did. I'm try- you, did you say that? You know, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to follow that one up. Dick, uh, good on you. Nice to talk to you. Yep, lovely to talk to you, Macca. Bye-bye. See you, bye. Coffee's the big thing, as I say. Coffee shops are opening and closing. Um, come and meet. Uh, come and meet him. The second most important commodity in the world after petrol is, of course, coffee. I'm always interested. Everyone's drinking coffee. Australia can't start the day without a cup of coffee. I don't know why, but that's the that's the truth. I'm talking to Alex Haig. Alex, you've just bought a coffee shop. Yes. How well, come? Uh, oh, I guess uh, I'm ir- irresponsible and stupid because let me tell you that anything small business these days, as anyone out there who's in it will know, is a lot of work and not much financial reward. But I have to say this, this coffee shop I've bought, the Kaluzzi Bar in King's Cross, is iconic and I couldn't let it just sink beneath the waves, which is what was going to happen if someone didn't step in. So you might say I've taken it over rather than bought it because it was about to go out the door. Alex, what did you do before? You're not a young man. I mean, you're not an old man, but you're not a young man. What did you do? Well, I'm an accountant, but before that we had a uh, smoked salmon and uh, caviar business called uh, Europa Epicure, which still supplies Kaluzzi Bar with its smoked salmon from Tasmania. That was an interesting business, a combination psychiatric ward and uh, nursing home with, uh, <laughs> when you employ a lot of staff, as we did in those days. But uh, all lovely people, but still, that's how it was. It seems to me, from going to coffee shops, that usually the proprietor of the coffee shop is in fact a barista, because that's the only way you can make it pay. You're, you're not making the coffee, not at this, not yet. I'm not yet, but I've been up here at five o'clock in the morning, a few mornings now, to uh, help the boys organise things and do various jobs and are within my competence. Making the coffee is not one of those things, and you're quite right. I think eventually, and I sort of hope the two boys who are uh, here now and running it, Sean and Harry, will one day take it over from me, and my guiding hand will take them to that uh, that happy conclusion. So you're the sort of bloke, obviously, that needs something to do. You don't say, well, I've finished accounting, I'm retiring, I'm going to sail around the world, as many people do. You didn't want to do that. Oh, I do. <laughs> definitely, <laughs> definitely. In fact, I'll be off now. I think the boat's leaving from uh, from the Rushcutter <laughs> Marina. No, if only, but... Luigi Coluzzi, and I've been coming here for 30 years, was an iconic man. Uh, I know that word's overused, but, you know, the whole, the whole framework of it is 
part of Sydney history. It's been there for 70 years, 70 years, coffee shop. He had the first one in William Street and now this one in Victoria Street's been there for, you know, ever and a day. And I think it's sad in Sydney where so much of our history disappears to have let that go would have been a tragedy. And if I could do something, then I had to do it. So it's being in the right spot at the right time or the wrong right spot at the wrong time. I'm amazed at how many coffee shops open up everywhere. There's coffee shops all over the place, coffee vans. You go to a football match, there's a coffee van, coffee, 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 everywhere. Well, as you say, Australia can't get up in the morning without having a cup of coffee. And that's only uh, from the last, what, 20 or 30 years? Well, look at the huge success of the Nescafe pod and their machines, you know, which I have one at home. You know, as you say, we're standing here in Victoria Street. We're looking at a shop, the next door shop, which unfortunately is just closed down. So many open and many shut as well. It's not an easy business. It's hard to make money out of a $4 cup of coffee and a $2.50 Turkish with Vegemite on it. Not at current wage levels and costs and rents and all those things. But I'm not whinging. It's fun and I'm trying to make it fun. The other thing I do these days is we're investors, so other people are doing the work because I'm 67, so I'm not really active anymore in business. But this opportunity, I'll call it, knocked. And it's sort of, since I've had it the past two months, it's knocked my socks off with the amount of regulation, licensing and and work that's involved in what's really a very small coffee shop. The coffee shop is a people business, isn't it? There's an old Chinese saying which says, woman or stroke man who does not smile should not open shop. It's pretty true, isn't it? There's another old Chinese saying that says, when business is bad, paint the counter. Um, (laughs) We've sort of done a bit of that. But yes, all food, restaurants, coffee shops, whatever, is entertainment, in fact. And you have to provide a good basic product, but you also have to welcome people in. And the people who come to Caluzzi have been coming. You know, I've been coming for 30, 35 years. And the other people who come here, they're old regulars. They, they, you know, they're friends. It's my living room. If it had gone under, where would I have gone in the morning? My wife wouldn't be happy. What does your wife say about you buying the business? She's a quarter shareholder, so uh, (laughs) she thinks I'm mad. And she's quite right, of course. Alex, nice to talk to you. Good luck. Nice to talk to you.